Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And here. Hello from London. We are so happy to be here. It's so fun because we have a daughter living in London um, who's actually and going to have a baby in July, so we can see the bump. We did indeed. Boy, have we seen the bump. How, the bump's actually quite small, quite beautiful, I think. I think, I don't know, I think a woman with a baby bump has a glow, don't you, honey? I mean, you did all the times when you were, I mean, the funny thing is you still have your glow, even though you're not <laughs> pregnant anymore. You know what to say at just the right time. But um, I don't know, I never could see my glow, but I do think that our daughter is glowing, but she always is glowing. Well, here's the thing, listeners, loyal listeners, tires on the road. We, as you know, have a habit and a policy on this show of broadcasting from wherever we happen to be and of trying to tie what we talk about on a particular day with what we're doing on that particular day. And you should know that we're on right now what we call the Higher Realm Grandparent Tour. And it will last a month, and during that month, we will see 17 of our, no, yeah, 17 of our 28 grandchildren. No, you need to count humans, because we just came from Switzerland, where we have another one, and... Um, well, but then it would be two months, and we'd only add one more grandkid, so it wouldn't be as impressive. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, we are just in the midst of a wonderful little travel schedule. We always try, as you know, to tie it to speeches we're giving or whatever. But uh, we're here in London, and we love London because we lived here for three years during our mission presidency. But we also came back for another several months, six or seven months, ten years later. And so we kind of feel like this is home. We do. It's always so great to be back. We lived in Epsom, Surrey, uh, down by um, where the Derbys run. If any of you have been to England, you know. Um, it is one of the most delightful countries in the world. It and truly we, is the green and pleasant land. It is. And we sure learned a lot about parenting here because if you've ever noticed, British children are polite. <laughs> They are polite. In fact, when we were first here, we had a girl who came to help us four days a week. We had four little kids. We came, actually, it'll be 40 years ago in July. That was yeah, a long just, time Just forget ago. Linda said that because that, that gets you thinking about how old we are, and we don't want you to think about that. <laughs> but we did have a little girl who came to help us, and she was pretty amazing because she taught our children to be polite. In fact, we had a one-year-old, and she would not give him his bottle unless he said please. But the problem was that he couldn't talk. And so, um, <laughs> or, and she expected the same thing every time she handed him something. She held on to it until he said thank you. But, again, he couldn't talk. She did better with the two-year-old and the four-year-old. So, but the baby, I don't know, they start young here. Well, and the other thing, you know the most important thing we learned about parenting during our time living in England as parents was something we've never been able to apply. We learned it, and we thought it was fantastic, and we tried to apply it, but it only works on this side of the Atlantic. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. 
The idea of feeding children their tea at about 5 o'clock or 5.30 and then putting them to bed so that the parents then get to have dinner by themselves in a quiet, peaceful home with sleeping children upstairs. It's true. Actually, the children came home from school about 3.30 and it was already starting to get dark. So most parents actually... In the winter. In the winter. And... So most parents actually gave their children tea, what they called tea. They had a hot lunch at school, so they just came home and had sandwiches and then drinking some vegetables at six at four thirty and no, then nothing like the, the tea we had with our daughter Charity yesterday at the Ritz Hotel, by the way, but we'll get to that later. But um, then they put their kids to bed at six thirty. I'll never forget calling our neighbor across the street to see if she could come and babysit at seven thirty. Or seven, it was already seven. Anyway, um, she had. She said, I haven't had much experience babysitting, but they'll be in bed by then, right? By seven, by 6.30. I mean, really. That's the advantage no. of getting dark early. You can just put kids to bed and they just they just stay there. And, and, you know, there's more adults with adults in the later evening, which was really a pretty great thing. But we tried it in America and it didn't work. It doesn't work. Especially because now, now the kids have so many activities after school. Sometimes they don't even get home until 7.30. So we were going to call this episode of Ours on the Road Parenting Around the World. And we were going to tell you how they do it in England. But actually, we changed the name because what we're really thinking about today is how far we have to travel to see our grandchildren. And we're starting to wonder if that's the best way to live or not or whether it would be better to have all your children living on your same street. So you could just wander down to their house, and they could just wander up to your house, and you could be with the grandkids all the time. Now, there are pros and cons to both models. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have no control over that. Sometimes you do have a little control. We have a friend who has eight children, and all but one have moved back. They've gone away for school or whatever, and then they've come back. And they're all in the same city, but um, well, and we know one. We do know one family, not real well, but we know them pretty well. That actually, they do all live on the same street, and they they're influential enough that they got the street named after them. So they got a street named after them, and all of their kids live on it. Does that sound uh, to some of you listening? That probably sounds ideal. To others, it probably sounds like an absolute nightmare. I mean, maybe that grandma's babysitting 24 hours a day for one of those one of those kids of hers that brings the grandkids down and drops them off. <laughs> right, and what if somebody doesn't get along with somebody? Then you have a big problem, too. Although some people really make it work, and it's wonderful, but we have not made it work. Our problem is that we have traveled so much with our kids. Well, we traveled so little, much with them, yeah, when they were little. And so now they think the world is their oyster, so they are just everywhere. We have this son in Switzerland. We have a daughter in England. We have another son who was in Europe all summer and put their kids in school, in Spanish schools in Spain. Now, Linda, there is a theory that, that, that they're just trying to distance themselves from us as far as they possibly can. You know what? I think that does have something to do with it, although it would be hard for you to admit. But it really <laughs> is true. Um, but what we love is having an opportunity to come see them. And, of course, everybody doesn't have that opportunity. I have a cousin who has a daughter who lived really only... Well, this is a lot of years ago, though. So, I mean, travel has gotten so much easier. 
But um, she lived, you know, maybe two states away, and there were years that she didn't see her. Yeah, and remember, in, in our family, on the other hand, I remember when our son Jonah and his wife decided to move to New Zealand, largely because in all their searching, they found that was the one that met the most criteria, and they're kind of they're kind of gypsies, and they just thought they could do it. And and I objected a little. I said, Jonah, we sure love those grandkids. How, they're going to be a long way away. And his response was, Dad, just get on the plane, go to sleep, and when you wake up, you'll be in Australia. New Zealand. New Zealand. Um, he didn't mention anything about how much it would cost to get there, how much <laughs> jet lag we'd have right. when we arrived. And he did do that, actually, and we did do that, and it's true. It works, and luckily we have a lot of miles. We used to have a lot of free miles. We kind of gave up on that for a while, and now we're starting again because we're traveling a little more to see our kids. So it really is an amazing world. If you make your mind up that you're going to travel to see your kids, you have to have a little travel fund. And Actually, we're going to have Charity join us for the second half of the show. And she's going our to tell youngest us a little bit about how they travel. Our baby, as I call her, my baby, always and forever my baby. Even right? though she's having a baby. Even though she's having a baby. This will be my baby's baby. That's right. But, you know, she has a very interesting story. Um, she married a wonderful guy. Uh, they met in San Francisco. And her biggest worry about her husband was that he didn't, really care to travel too much. He hadn't traveled very much. He boy, traveled a lot he in the become US, a convert. Oh, boy. But, man, he has become the convert of the world. He's now, she was just telling us, he's kind of dragging her around like, I don't know if I want to go to Amsterdam again or whatever. And it really but, is fun to see them take the bull by the horns and really travel. And But it's not easy. You have to think ahead. You have to save. It takes some time. On the internet, although I was just saying... Wait, you said they took the bull by the horns? Yeah. Oh, are they going to go see... That's where they're going next, to run around with those bulls in Spain and they no. could get gored? No. Oh, good. But they have been fairly dangerous places. If you've been listening for a while, you know that um, they were in... Um, Nepal. Nepal. You remember we did the show? We did this show one time and we didn't know where Charity and Ian were. We just knew that they were somewhere in Nepal and there had been an earthquake. We were a little on the nervous side, you might say. Um, I think that's fair to say. Actually, we just went to a map store just before we started the show. And uh, she showed us exactly where she was when that earthquake hit. So she she might want to mention that she's going to come on with us the last half. Well, year, but, but let me but let me say one other thing, Linda, about before we leave the other topic about um, you know is it best to live if you're a grandparent is it best to live close to your children and your grandkids are far and if you're a parent is it best to have grandma and grandpa living close or far and obviously there's a lot of pros and cons to both of those but I did want to say at least it's a it's a it's a logical question these days. I mean, imagine 20, 30, 40 years ago, if you lived in England and your grandkids lived in Utah, let's say, you you might go years, you, you might go decades without seeing them. Now you just get on FaceTime and there they are. So with the, you know, I, I think it's important to say that with technology, there really, it, distance means a whole different thing than it used to mean, don't you think? I mean, we know we know grandparents who probably have too much contact, 
with their children and grandchildren, even though they're, they, they, they live, you know, several states away or several countries away. Uh, we did have one of our in-laws who used to call, and they were all larks. They were up at five in the morning, so they called all of their kids in the family, and they had nine kids, too. They called them all on Saturday morning between six <laughs> thirty. Their kids hated that. And uh, uh, seven thirty. The phone like rang, and you know it's six in the morning, and and they were too nice to say, uh, "Could you call a little later?" Because they <laughs> Hi, were just trying happy to read. Saturday. <laughs> so um, it really is interesting how you work that out, and everybody has to work out their system according to what's going on in your own family. Well, and as you know, those of you who listen regularly, we've spent a lot of time in the last few weeks talking about extended family and about the virtues and benefits of having grandparents and parents who sort of work as a team on parenting. That's certainly how we like to do it. We certainly hope our baby Charity, who is going to come on in the second half of the show, sees us as part of her parenting team for the new child that's coming, who I have an in vitro name for the child. I call him Oleander. I don't know why. It just came to me one day. But we're going to hear in the second half from Oleander's mother, uh, the venerable baby of ours, Charity. So we'll take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Charity Higher-Wright. on the road parenting in a modern world here's richard and linda Iyer. cucumber before she speak. and we should say we are in london which is where charity lives right now i think you should tell us charity why you're living in london how long you're going to be living in london well and to set the stage we're sitting on a small love seat the three of us excuse me the four of us <laughs> counting little oleander and so, Charity, introduce yourself to the, the radio listeners. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, my introduction should be that I was just, you know, hanging out here at my flat with my parents who have come to visit, which is awesome. And they just told me I was going to be on a radio show. <laughs> and I asked and said, do I get any prep? And they said, nope. <laughs> no prep. Well, we don't have any prep. I mean, the whole <laughs> idea is... Talk. <laughs> We're just talking about parenting and families. We try to, Charity, we try to, you know, the whole idea here is how great it is. What an adventure. And, boy, are you getting ready to start on an adventure before long. Yeah, so my husband and I moved here to London <clears throat> almost nine months ago now. And we are having a baby in three months. So we're pretty excited about that. They no. are excited. Just and starting our family, first first baby. We and saw the hospital. We saw mm-hmm. the hospital today, and guess what? What you can see out the window? Big Ben. Big Ben. The London Eye. Yeah, it has Our amazing land. views. A lot of views, but it's also a good hospital. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I didn't choose it just for the views, <laughs> not the slums or anything. But. Yeah, you should tell them a little bit because we've been talking about traveling a bit with the kids and stuff. And so now it's gotten into our children's blood. And so tell them about the trip that you took uh, just before you got married. And, and Will, little I mean, Oleander, after you got married. Will, little <laughs> Oleander uh, cut into your travel plans? 
Well, now for those <laughs> of you, are both questions. For those of you who don't know who Olia is, <coughs> I told them that. unborn baby in I the last the section. Half. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that's my baby. That's what grandfather calls the baby, but I don't think that's what we're gonna name him. Oh, good. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we after we got married, we um, my husband was finishing his doctorate and. I um, was in a job that I was prepared to leave because we knew we'd be moving for the job that he got out of school. And so we had some time before he started. And so we took a 90-day trip around the world, which was awesome. Wait, I thought we it was around the world 80, in 80 days. 80, 80 days, sorry. Oh, there we go. I don't know why. I'm thinking about 90 days till the baby's born or something. Oh. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, we had saved some time, and we had some time, and we had saved some money, so we decided to take a trip, and we went to 10 countries and six continents. Yeah. You know, some people hear, was, would hear that charity and say, well, what, awesome. are, what are you guys, rich? But you know, in today's world, you can you really can travel. When we you're get poor. that all the time that people think. That that first of all, people think Rick Iyer funded the trip, which is really which is funny. A joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but people think it just you know we spent tens of thousands of dollars on it, and we were able to do. I mean, you know, obviously it took it took some funds, but we were able to do it really cheaply, and it was an awesome adventure that really um, strengthened our relationship and kind of started off. We had only been married for a few months when we left, and. It was an awesome adventure. Because you relied on each other. You weren't in touch with a lot of other people. We also the... drove each other completely crazy sometimes. Yeah, but... yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it was awesome. And But you got all that crazy out of the way. Otherwise, you'd probably still be driving each other crazy. Oh, we well, still maybe drive you each are. other crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we did learn a lot about each other, for sure. And then we decided that we wanted to move abroad. And since we're in London, it's so easy to travel to Europe and other places that are close by, so we've been able to continue traveling quite a bit, which is really enriching in a lot of ways. Don't you think it kind of comes down to where your priorities are? I mean, if so, I've, I've watched you just on this trip, Charity, and you you make certain sacrifices of other things so that you can travel. I mean, it's it's not about um, it, it's about trade offs, don't you think? Yeah, we would rather spend money on experiences than things. So we. We are self-proclaimed minimalists and try to just live on what we need and not what we always want and um, use that money to have experiences more. But let's be honest, a little baby's going to crimp up your travel plans a little bit. Well, we'll see. <laughs> We're hoping that we'll get a portable baby and we'll just strap him on and go. So it'll definitely be a different dynamic. But How will you know if he's to... portable? Well, we'll probably just mold him into being portable. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think, you know, if that's what he knows from the get-go, hopefully he can be laid back. And I'm sure that there are tons of unexpected adventures ahead, and it'll be really hard. But we plan to continue to travel. Well, we have a son who uh, waited a little while to have a baby. They were young anyway when they got married. But um, he used to say, I'm getting prepared for baby jail. <laughs> and uh, there is something to baby jail because we actually, as grandparents, have been in baby jail. We've been in we, baby jail. Kids, taking care of the kids. Yeah. You know, I was going to say Definitely that. Definitely a lot of work. <laughs> the typical person would say, well, if your grandparents live close, that's a big deal because you can leave the kids with them more often. But 
That might be, you know, for the afternoon or the evening, whereas when you live far away, what ends up with us, and I know this will happen with you too, Charity, as long as we're still able to be mobile by then, is, you know, the, the kids will come and say, we're, we're going to Costa Rica for a couple of weeks and we'll just leave the kids with you the whole time we're gone. And that's where, Linda, and that's where we find out how old we really are, honey. <laughs> <laughs> We had we had Zara, the little three-year-old, and Dean, the little nine-month-old, the other day, and we were. By the time those parents got back, we were exhausted. I think actually that we talked about that after the week that we had them, and honestly, those little kids, boy, our hats are off to parents with little kids. You're going to be one of them in three months, because it is so completely time-consuming, and complete, you just forget you forget how hard that is. But last week, we took care of uh, our twin grandsons who were 11 and their older brother who's 16 while, while the parents took two of the kids with them to Costa Rica. And I thought that was delightful. We that just was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty the good. The little kids are the hard part. Yeah, the little kids are so So I've got like harder. 11 years of baby Jill ahead of me. Yeah, that's about <laughs> right. Yeah. Charity, I, but what's your thought on what we were talking about earlier, the pros and cons of living close to the grandparents as you yourself become a parent? Well, I think that there are pros and cons. I think that we have been really blessed in our family because you have the ability to travel physically and financially. And the necessity so to travel sometimes. But you're able to see your kids a lot even though they live far away. Yeah, now, like this trip was free. You know, we just oh, yeah, free. that was okay. nice. Yeah, um, But I think... You know, it for me as a child, I definitely appreciate the time that I have with you more because I don't get to see you as much, and I can really use that time to oh. juice your wisdom and advice. I'm hugging my baby right now, <laughs> even as we talk. Um, and I think, you know, it's also important, Ian and I have, my husband and I have talked a lot about create. You know, my dad calls it like spinning off, right? And kind of creating your own family. Right, Which right, can right. be difficult to kind of build your own um, immediate family identity if you're so entrenched in living down the street from the grandparents. That is, I think that's yeah, what you were saying about your long trip right after you got married. It was a time for you to bond with each other and to put it in biblical language. Let's see, what does it say? Cleave unto... Leave your father and mother and cleave yeah. to each other. Well, I do think that it's interesting that we never lived anywhere near our parents or a sister or anybody. When our kids were growing up, we were in Boston for two or three years. And, and that was hard because we didn't have internet. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That that's the thing is that we feel really far away here in London, but not that far away because we just FaceTime people and we can see them face to face. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not, different. Yeah. You can't hug but them. But it's still, we, we're still in touch with what's going I on. I can email, yeah. I mean, I email someone, a sibling or a parent every day. Yeah. And so it's a good, good to be able to stay in touch, but we can still sort of create our own thing. <laughs> right. Exactly right. And I think, so the bottom line for me on this whole debate, which you do hear often about, you know, from grandparents and from kids, and, and my bottom line is it really doesn't, it's not about the distance. It's about how strong your family culture is and how And how deliberate you are about staying yeah. connected, I think. Yeah, and, and you might actually be more motivated to work hard at that if there was a little distance. I mean, maybe I'm justifying because... 
rationalizing because we do have a lot of distance. Well, and we have kids of every kind. We have a family that just moved up back from Spain to uh, an old house, a rickety old house they bought in Washington several years ago. Washington, Washington State. State. Yeah. And they had to remodel the whole thing. They had to go through five layers of floor and peel off 10 layers of wallpaper and stuff and remodel all that. And they're up there working with their kids. I mean, they're working themselves to death, but they love it. Well, and I want to go back to the word you just used, Charity, deliberate. I think that's the key word because, you know, if you're, if you're whether you're separated by distance or not, it takes a deliberate effort to create a family culture that keeps you in touch. I think the families that lose touch and maybe lose a little of the emotional tie with each other are not deliberate enough about it. They're not consciously, proactively developing a system for staying in touch. And, and then there's a tendency to really drift apart. And that's where we see families that sort of lose it's not because of the distance. It's because they, they get so busy with other things, they deprioritize being in touch with each other. And I think it's um, the type of in-touchness as well. Like yeah. we were just talking last night about how my parents had sent out a questionnaire to all of the grandkids over eight. Yeah, well, we, we did the ones under eight too, a little different. A little different one. And so it's not just saying, oh, hi, on FaceTime and waving at your grandkids, but... I appreciate so much that my mom and dad are wanting to ask them specific questions like, what is a skill you're working on right now? Or what are you afraid of? Or there's some really good questions there that I thought we shouldn't just be keeping in touch. We should be really learning Deeply. about each other, yeah. even yeah, though we're really far being away engaged from each other. And so I think there are advantages to living close and down the street, but there are also advantages of kids living far away. Like we don't, know when they're ripping the floor up and stuff. We don't have to go over and help them. We don't have to just <laughs> right. say good or luck, guys. Good We're luck. out of time, girls, but what a wonderful thing to have Charity on the line with us. And we say to you collectively, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.